Thanks for joining us today on the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. Enjoy today's message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Today is part two of our message series, Love Handles. We're talking about how to get a grip on your relationships to make them loving and kind and life-giving. And and, and the principles we're talking about work for every relationship. Marriages, engagements, uh, relationships at work or at school or boyfriends, girlfriends, just friends, in-laws, you know, all of it. Um, And again, teaching with me today is my beautiful wife, Amy, who's a licensed clinical therapist. So let's give her a round of applause for coming again today. Thanks, baby. I'm so glad that you're here. Morning, and the title of our message is Dad Bod Embracing the Imperfect. There's a lot to embrace right Michael, now, baby. That's a lot to embrace. That is not the point of the sermon. <laughs> no. This the point of the sermon is that we are really messed. Is everybody is imperfect. And because we're imperfect, <clears throat> we don't need to be pointing out other people's imperfections, but instead we need to learn to embrace them. And I was thinking about a time um, when Libby was little and she was playing in the kitchen and I don't know what she did, but somehow she managed to pull off the counter and one of my favorite vases and it shattered all over the floor. And I'll never forget, she looked right at me with this look like, oh no, I must be in so much trouble. And I just remember looking at her and saying, baby, it's okay. You do not have to be perfect to be in this family. You know, and we've been saying that to our kids ever since. Um, and sometimes we even say it to each other. In fact, we even said it this morning to, to one another as we were kind of... Because I know, messed up and he was like, you don't no. have to be perfect. You know, it's true. <laughs> you know, it's true. But listen, but, but when you say you don't have to be perfect to be in this family, you know what that does? Like it takes the pressure off. Uh, like it, it, it gives room for mistakes. Now, it's not a get out of jail free card, so and it's a license just to you know, do whatever you want to, but what it does is it reminds us that we don't have to perform in order to be loved, right? Yeah, because I think a lot of people feel like that if they don't perform a certain way, then their parents won't love them, mm-hmm. or their friends won't accept them, or their spouse may get mad and hold a grudge, or worse, that whatever they've done is so bad that God's going to be mad at them and just hate them. Yeah, but none, none of that's true. None of those things are true. But here's what is true, is that you don't have to be perfect to be in our family. And here's the thing. You don't have to be perfect to be in this church family. You don't have to be perfect to be in God's family, which is such a huge relief because none of us are perfect. None of us are going to be perfect. Uh, And nobody can bear up under the standard of you have to be perfect in order to be loved. In in fact, at some point, everybody breaks if that's the standard, you know, that we're trying to live up to. Which is why I'm so glad that we're talking about what we're talking about today. Because our Heavenly Father loves us just like we are. Now, that doesn't mean he wants us to stay the way we are. But it means that he loves us. Not because of what we do or even or because of what we don't do. He just loves us. And he just and he loves us unconditionally. Yeah. So the question for us becomes, how does God help me embrace the imperfect and other people? And this is gonna be your first fill-in. 
Be a provider and receiver of grace. Let me say it again. Be a provider and a receiver of grace. Now, just so that we're all on the same kind of playing field, let's look at a definition of grace. The definition of grace is getting what I don't deserve. Now, mercy is not getting what I do deserve, but grace is getting what I don't deserve. That's right. And uh, in one of my favorite verses of the Bible, and I know it's actually one of your favorites too, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, God tells us something really, really important. Look what it says there. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want you to underline the words, no condemnation. Okay? Now, I want you to follow me on this, okay? If you're a Christ follower, that means you've been forgiven for everything you've ever done. And you've been for already forgiven for everything that you're ever going to do. And so for you as a, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, there is no condemnation for you because of what you've done in life or even what you will do in life. And if that's true, then why in the world would I spend my time pointing my finger in judgment at other people? If I've been forgiven for so much and if other people have been, get, been forgiven for so much, then who am I to provide my judgment on other people? God, God says that's not what we ought to do because there's no condemnation. So therefore, instead of being a provider of judgment, I need to be a provider of grace because there is no condemnation for me and there's no condemnation for other people because of, of what Jesus has done. And so it means that I need to give people grace even when they don't deserve it, Right? So true. Um, let me give you an example of what this might look like. You know, um, have you ever been in a friendship or a relationship where you feel like you're the one that's putting more into it and you're making all the efforts? I mean, I think all of us have at some point in time. And I think for us, there have been some times where we have not been able to put into our friendships or in our relationships what we really want to because of whatever is going on in our lives, we aren't able to spend the time or to mm -hmm. encourage or hang out with those people. And what has been such a blessing is when those people choose to give us grace. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it makes us actually want to be close to them and to feel closer to them because we all have a choice when we are the ones that are putting more into a relationship than somebody else. We can get mad and get judgmental and we can kind of cut them off or we can choose to be a giver of grace. And so would you commit to be somebody who gives grace to people? Mm -hmm. It'll change your relationships. Yeah, it really will. Because God wants us to be um, providers of grace. But more than that, he also wants us to become receivers of grace. Let me give you an example. Um, this last semester in my small group, you know, we were just sharing one night and, you know, uh, and the discussion was going pretty well. And then somebody in my small group said this. This person said, you know, I have grace for everybody in my life except me. I'm telling you, when that person said that, my heart stopped for a moment because I knew exactly what this person was saying. Because I have forgiveness for everybody in my life except me. 
I have patience for everybody in my life except me. I have grace for everybody in my life except me. You know what? I want to bet you there's a lot of people listening today that feel that same way. But God's, God's telling us in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, like it still rings true because he says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Let me, let me repeat it. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So look, if you want your relationships to be healthy, then you've got to cut yourself some slack. You have to be the kind of person that gives yourself some grace. You need to be a receiver of God's grace as much as a, as a provider, okay? Because look, you're not perfect. You're not going to be. And you don't have to be perfect to be in God's family. But you do have to just receive grace. Yeah. And I think sometimes we don't even realize it, but if I'm saying that I don't have grace for myself, what I'm actually saying is I don't believe that God's grace is big enough for me. Mm-hmm. It's big enough for everybody else, but it's not big enough for me, for me. And what I'm also saying, if I'm saying, you know what, his grace isn't big enough for me, I'm saying that what I have done is so bad that what Jesus did on the cross isn't enough, like somehow it falls short, that the forgiveness that he provides through the cross, like it's not enough. And when we're in that place, what the devil wants to do more than anything is to deceive us into having like that, those thoughts of condemnation, of saying, you know what? I have messed it up and so badly that what I have done is bigger than what Jesus has done for me. But God is saying, hey, Amy, you are not condemned because you are in Christ. And that's the same is true for all of us. You know, um, something that is helpful for me and I think would be helpful for all of us is, you know, taking Romans 8, 1, and just maybe having some time tonight or in the morning where you read that out loud over yourself. And maybe you've got to read it over yourself over and over and over until you believe it. And then when you believe it, that you just turn your hands to the Lord and you just say, I receive it. Because when we're in that place and in that position, we're able to be providers of grace to other people out of the overflow of our hearts. I told y'all she was good, right? <laughs> like, that's good. Yeah. Okay. All right. But there's a second thing God tells us what he wants us to do. And number two is this. We need to, I need to die to self by putting thee before me. Okay, I, I know that's kind of churchy, but look, just write it down because it's catchy. Okay, that's like, that's why we wanted to say it like that. Um, now, it, 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 in the verse that we're about to look at, it, the immediate context of the verse we're about to look at, it's about marriage. But if you look at the broader context, the Apostle Paul is talking about lots of relationships. If you read the chapter before, he's talking about like slaves to masters. The chapter afterwards, he's talking about parents and children. And so he talks about all kinds of relationships if you look at the broader context. But at the, at the very center of all of it, of all these relationships, there's this one key verse. And, and it's like all these relationships turn on this one truth. And here's what he says. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul writes this. Submit 
to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's right. We are supposed to submit to one another. That means wives to husbands, but it also means husbands to wives. It means children to parents, and also in an appropriate way, parents to children. And now we don't have you know, slaves and masters anymore, but it definitely means that bosses and employees should mutually submit to one another. But here's the deal. The only way that can happen, literally, the only way that can happen is if I put the before me. If I put other people's wants, needs, and desires ahead of my own. It, it won't work any other way. Yeah. Okay, so let me give you an illustration. If I'm focused on myself and I'm holding my dreams, my desires, my wants, my ambitions, my goals, if I'm holding those so closely, I'm not in a position to embrace anybody else's needs or wants or desires. And when we're like this, it's really hard for us to be close to anyone. Mm -hmm. But instead, if we can die to self, and put other people ahead of us and focus on their needs, their wants, their desires, we're in a position to really embrace them. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if I want my relationships to be healthy, then at some point in time, I've got to die to myself by putting other people in front of myself. But like most things in the Bible, there's a deeper meaning here too, because look, look the verse says that we're to do it out of reverence for Christ. So the the we're talking about is not just other people, but it's also God. That I'm supposed to put the before me. That in order for me to submit to other people, I have to also be able to submit to God. I've got to put God first in my life. And in fact, submitting to God is actually practice for submitting to other people. Because think about it like this. If, if you won't submit to God, who is the ruler and the Lord of the whole universe, if you won't submit to him, what makes you think you'd submit to anybody else? If you're not willing to put your wants, your needs, and your desires in the backseat to yield to his wants and his needs and his desires of what he wants you to do with your life, if you're not willing to submit to him, what in the world makes you think you would ever submit to somebody else's wants, needs, or desires? You won't. And listen, I wonder if that might be why some people can't work at a company more than about three years. Because, because if they don't submit to God, they have a difficulty submitting to other people. And so could that also be the reason why some people um, don't last long term in friendships? And could that be that that's why sometimes students have to change friend groups every now and then because they just wear out all those other friendships because they never submit to anybody else. It's all just about them. Could, could that be, <coughs> excuse me, why some marriages struggle over and over and over again with the same kinds of things because not only do we not submit to God, but therefore that makes it difficult for us to submit to the other person. I'm telling you, submitting to God is practice to submitting to other people. And if you won't submit to God, you definitely won't submit to anybody else. But God says we are to mutually submit to one another. We are consistently to put the, that's here, and here. I'm supposed to put the before me. And when I do, I'm telling you, 
relationships become significantly healthier. Oh, that's so true. Um, that gets us to our love handle. Today's love handle is compliment the other person. Now, I mean, that may just sound really simple and seem pretty basic, but you know what? Some of God's greatest truths are simple and basic so that they're easy for us to implement. And this is one of those that is a game changer in relationships. Um, look at what First Thessalonians says in 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another. Circle encourage one another and build each other up. I want you to circle build each other up just as in fact you're doing. And then in Hebrews 3.13, says, but encourage one another daily, circle daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, I know Hebrews 3.13 is really talking about encouraging people spiritually, but God's principle also applies spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. Absolutely. And I want you to look at, the, at that Hebrews verse. It says... What the, it tells us what the consequence is of not encouraging. If we don't encourage each other, it says that we could be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Okay, like, what does that mean? Like, how, how does that work? Well, if we never encourage one another, then what happens is, is that creates distance in our relationships. And we begin to make assumptions about other people. You know, he just doesn't love me as much as he used to. Or, you know what? My friendships have changed and I just don't feel like we're as close as we used to be. Or, you know, perhaps for you, it's like my boss used to be just like a great person to work for, but now he's more concerned about the bottom line than he is concerned about me. Or maybe it's with your kids, you think, you know, I'm, I'm just, I just don't connect with my kids like I used to. Or maybe your teenagers say this, oh, my parents, they're so stupid. Our kids better not say that. That would not go very well. I'm just Well, they don't say right it to now. our face, that's, that's for sure. So. That would not go well. Yeah. But, mm -mm. but look, here's the deal. When, when, we, when we don't mutually encourage one another, it, again, it brings distance in the relationship. And in that distance, we begin to make assumptions about other people's motives. And I think, having all of this experience, that we assume one thing is going on, but in reality, it's something completely different, right? Like, we, we've all experienced that. But when we begin to suspect those most, then doubt about that other person sets in. And then doubt leads to suspicion. Suspicion leads to resentment. Resentment leads to factions, and factions lead to um, a parting of the ways, but it's all based on the deceitfulness of sin. None of it's based on anything that's true. And so that's how sin can deceive us and bring fracture into our relationships. But instead, if we will in mutually encourage one another by giving each other compliments, that can close that distance and keep it closed and close it in a hurry, right? Yeah. And that's why this simple truth is so important for mm. us to have a good grip on any relationship. Now, let me just tell you how we do this in our family. And if you've been around the park and been around um, for a while, you've heard us talk about this probably multiple times. But we're going to talk about it again today because it's simple, but it's super effective. So one thing that we do is... Um, like. If one of us needs encouragement or needs just kind of to kind of be picked up for the day, I, I might call and just say, hey, Mike, can you tell me three things that you love about me? 
and he will. And it's such a difference maker just mm-hmm. having those compliments. Um, and we do that with our kids too. Yeah, we do it with the kids. And um, well, they, no, they don't always enjoy it. They don't it. always enjoy it because it usually comes after they've had a disagreement. So if they've gotten crossways with each other and kind of had a disagreement, when they've worked it through, at the end, we'll say, you know what? What are three things that you love about your brother? What are three things that you love about your sister? Or if they get crossways with us, like, what are three things that you love about your daddy? Or what are three things that you appreciate about me? And here's what happens. When you take a hard conversation and you end it with compliments and end it on a positive note, like it kind of changes things because that, that deceitfulness of sin never has a chance to set up in your heart. It's kind of like cement. And so when you, when you give a compliment, it washes away all of that hurt and resentment and anger, and it never allows that to become a barrier in your relationship. Absolutely. Now, let me tell you, let me give you a hint uh, for making compliments meaningful, okay? The best compliments, and this is what I want you to write down, the best ones always start with the words, you are. The best compliments always start with the words, you are. For instance, babe, yeah, I know this embarrasses her because I did last time. She was so I don't like it. Baby, but here's the, here's the truth, babe. You truly are a great mom. Thank you. Like you, you are so encouraging to the kids and you help the kids love each other and you help the kids really love Jesus more, okay? And you are so pretty. <laughs> you're, you're, you're still the only person that stirs my heart. Thank you. That's sweet. <laughs> and I want well, more. Oh. You're the, you are the greatest partner in life that I could have ever hoped for. I mean, when we get to do things like this, I'm telling you, it just, it brings so much meaning and value to my life. And I told you that when we were, we were dating that I wanted somebody that I could share this part of my life with. And I'm glad we get to do that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I don't, you just kind of naturally, when somebody is encouraging and compliments you just want to be close to him. Yeah, you do. Michael. (laughs) Always has to take it to the next level. Seriously. (sighs) Okay. Here's the thing about the compliments. Michael. Here's the thing about the compliments. Make them about who the other person is, not what they do. Yeah, so it's more about the person than it is about their performance. And so, right. for instance, instead of saying to my kids, like, hey, great job on your grades. Instead of saying that, I'll say, you are so responsible. I've watched how you have studied hard and you have put the hard work in. And that is reflected in your grades. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of you. So it focuses more on the person than on the performance. Yeah, absolutely, and that's, and that's so key. Now, l- let's, let's go deep, really deep here for just a second, okay? The Bible says in Genesis 1:27 that you and I are created in the image of God. But here's the deal. There's not a single one of us that reflects the complete image of God. All of us, each of us, reflects only a partial image, which that's why um, some people are serious 
and others are funny. It's why some people are more academic. Other people are more creative. Some are artsy. Some are, you know, more mathematical. Some are organized. Other people, you know, color outside the lines, you know? It's why we are different. And so here's the thing. Here's the thing in relationships. We can either let those differences create resentment or we can choose to complement those differences in the other person. And the reason we would complement them is because we remember that I don't reflect the full image of God. And the other person might be reflecting parts of God's image that I don't reflect. Like, remember, you know, you've heard the old saying, you know, opposites attract. Listen, that has some biblical roots in it. Because we tend to be attracted to the parts of God's image that we don't reflect. And again, we can choose over time to let that set of resentment, or we can choose to compliment that person. And what we're doing is we are complimenting the parts of God's image that we don't have. I'm telling you. It goes, it, it, it's so, it goes so far into developing our relationships and making them kind and loving and life-giving. Um, now, there is one person who does reflect the complete image of God. And as you can imagine, that person is Jesus. Because, look, Jesus is God's son. Jesus literally is God come in the flesh. And so Jesus is the only person that's ever lived that reflects the complete image of God. And because Jesus is the perfect reflection of God, the one thing we can for sure know about God is that he loves us. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for us. And the whole reason Jesus died was so that his death could pay for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of the whole world. Why? Because God loves you, and he loves you, not because of what you've done, not because of what you can do for him, but he loves you just because of you. He loves you unconditionally, and that's why he sent Jesus to die for you. And so the first step to becoming a Christian, becoming a Christ follower, is to accept Jesus' sacrifice into your life and commit to follow him. So if you've never done that, there's a prayer. It's in your message notes. I want you to pray that prayer while I ask Amy to close all of us in a word of prayer. So, hon, why don't you pray for all of us? Jesus, thank you for being a God that loves us so lavishly, so extravagantly with no strings attached. Lord, you just love us. I ask, Father, that you would help us to love other people in the same way. Father, that we would be able to see people the way that you see them. We would be able to see their imperfections as an opportunity to give your grace, the grace that you have already given us. Lord, I ask that you would give each one of us an opportunity to do that this week. Father, that you would put somebody on our hearts right now that we need to provide grace to. And Lord, I ask that not one person would walk out of here in any kind of condemnation, but they too would walk in the grace that you have given them, that you've given all of us. Lord, I thank you so much for the way that you love us and for giving us the opportunity to love you back. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message. You can find more information about Parkway Fellowship by visiting our website, parkwayfellowship.com. 
and be sure to download our mobile app for previous message series, video content, and much more.